Hello and welcome to the Arise and Build podcast. This is Jody Grace and we're here to inspire, educate, and activate believers in Missouri to steward and protect freedom in every area of life, especially here in the heart of America. We're going to be talking about what's happening right here in our culture, how it connects to scripture, and what we can do to bring our conservative Christian values back into the public square. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead, hit the subscribe button so you can get our updates and join us as we work together, just like Nehemiah and the Israelites did, to arise and build a wall around the great state of Missouri. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me again on today's podcast. It has been a few weeks actually since I've been here by myself. We have had the pleasure of having some wonderful guests on with us throughout the month of October. Uh, But today we are getting back to the basics. So it's just you and me, and we're going to go back to talking a little bit about Nehemiah. And then I'm going to share with you some information um, about our education system. Um, I'm going to share with you a little bit of information about some language that passed in House Bill number 447 um, and what that means to your high schoolers in Missouri. So let's get to it. Um, I am just going to recap for those of you maybe who um, haven't heard the first episodes of the podcast. We started talking just a little bit during every podcast about the book of Nehemiah. And so we just want to overview, give you a little recap or a summary of the first four chapters. And um, if you'll remember that Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king and the king was a Persian king. They had, they were ruling over the land of Israel at this time. And uh, this was after um, even the Babylonian captivity. And Jerusalem was in a shambles, basically. The wall around Jerusalem was all torn apart and the city was just in really bad shape. And so when Nehemiah heard about that uh, during his service to the king, he became very worried and very, maybe not worried, but very upset. He was sad about the state of Jerusalem and he began to pray fervently. He prayed and fasted. The scripture says that he prayed day and night and um, the king noticed. And when the king asked Jeremiah about, or Nehemiah, not Jeremiah, Nehemiah about it, um, Nehemiah said, well, of course I'm sad. And so the king said, well, what would you have me to do? And God gave Nehemiah such favor in that um, he created a situation where not only was Nehemiah able to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, but the Persian government, the pagan king, actually paved his way and paid for the trip. He gave him supplies. He gave him everything he needed to start rebuilding that wall around Jerusalem. Now, the wall in Jerusalem was really important because it was the protection for that city. Without the wall around the city, the city would not survive. And in the previous book of Ezra, Ezra had worked to rebuild the temple. But a temple in a city with no wall would not have stood the test of time. It would not have lasted. It was not safe. So it was very important that the wall be rebuilt. And Nehemiah was um, an amazing leader. He was a servant leader. He 
rallied the people of Jerusalem and they started building that wall. Now he had enemies who despised what they were doing and um, he was ridiculed. He was mocked. Um, he was even threatened, but Nehemiah kept working. He stayed focused. And even in chapter four, his enemies started taunting him, sending messages that um, just taunting and mocking and being a real pain, honestly. And it says that Nehemiah stayed focused. He kept working. He said, I don't have time. I have important work to do and I don't have time to come down and deal with you. I'm going to tend to the thing that God God uh, gave me to do. And so they continued building. And there were even times where um, they'd been threatened. And so the Israelites prepared to fight. In chapter four, it says they prepared to defend, their to fight for their brothers, their sisters, their families, and their homes. They prepared to fight, but God took care of them. He um, confused the enemy. He and the enemy never even attempted to attack. So Nehemiah and his crew kept on working, each family in their own place on the wall. And uh, chapter 4, toward the end of chapter 4, it says that those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work, and the other they held, in the other hand they held a weapon. So they were prepared for war. They did the work and they were prepared to do battle if that need arose. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built, while the trumpeter stood near. Then in verse 20, it says, At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And uh, that's exactly what God did and they continued to build and they were they ended up being successful there were miracles took place so um, Nehemiah is a great story a great example for us that we have a job to do in rebuilding safety and security here in Missouri and across the nation and we need to stay focused even when the enemy attacks even when there are people mocking or making fun or whatever. Um, even when other things are going on, we need to stay focused on the job that God's called us to do and uh, tend to and steward our freedom well. So um, I just love Nehemiah and find it so encouraging and inspiring, especially in the culture that we live in today. So... Um, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the things that we can do to rebuild um, strength and security here in the state of Missouri and tend to our freedom, especially as it pertains to our children. So, um, you know, one of the things we've been talking about here on the podcast lately are different pieces of language that um, our state legislature passed this year in 2023. And uh, what that means to us, because what we often hear our, especially leadership um, from Jefferson City, which would be the Senate uh, President Pro Tem and Majority Floor Leader, and that would be Caleb Rowden and 
Cindy O'Laughlin. And then on the House side, we have um, Speaker Dean Plocker, who's been in some trouble lately. We haven't talked really much about that here on the podcast, but he's in some hot water lately. And then there's a majority floor leader there in the House, House, Jonathan Patterson. And what you hear a lot, especially coming out of the Senate, is that we can't, that they claim they can't get anything done because the conservatives have just really made a mess of everything. The conservatives are blocking everything. They're keeping them from doing anything at all. They can't get anything done. It's just, they just act like they've just wasted an entire session when that is not at all the case. In fact, it's just a lie. It's an outright lie. Um, The truth really is they passed hundreds of pieces of legislation smashed all up to smashed all in together um, inside of about 40 bills, uh, maybe 38 bills, I would say. So all total, they passed 60 bills. 20 of those were budget bills. The other 40 of the other 40, I'd say there were two good ones, um, the trans bills. So that takes us down to 38. There were a few, four or five that I think are just neither here nor there, uh, but the rest of them. So let's say there's Oh, uh, you know, maybe 32, 33 bills of substance. And within those 32 or 33 bills, they literally passed, I would say, more than 100 pieces of legislation. So any Republican or Democrat senator that tells you they're never able to get anything done because of those pesky conservatives, they're just lying to you. And I want to talk to you about one of the things that they accomplished inside of House Bill Four four seven. It has to do with our high school students here in Missouri, and it's not not a tremendously. I've got it here. It's not a tremendously long piece of language. Uh, the bill itself is much longer, but this one section changes the name of our health curriculum. So, in the past, your high school student has needed one half of a health credit to graduate from high school, and they changed the name of that health credit. It will now be called Health and Family Education, and that will begin in the 24-25 school year and all subsequent school years after that. So you may think that that's not such a big deal. Why does it matter for us to change the name of our health class in high school? Well, um, let me tell you what else they're going to do. The State Board of Education, it says, shall convene a work group, and this has actually already started Um, In fact, the work group met a couple of weeks ago, and I have Sunshine requested uh, Desi and Representative Bishop Davidson's office and Senator Jill Carter's office to get more information about the things that were that took place during that work group. But um, so the work group met to develop and recommend academic performance standards relating to this one half credit in health and family education, which was required by the state board. Uh, The work group shall include, but not be limited to, educators providing instruction in health education and family and consumer science in grades 9 to 12, representatives from the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, and nonprofit organizations that focus on health, parenting, and social services. So let's ask ourselves, who would that be? What nonprofit organizations would be participating in the development of our health and family education curriculum in our high schools? So this is for our teenagers. Um, I could tell you one off the top of my head that 
possibly was there, and we will find out for sure when I receive those Sunshine documents back, um, but Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is actually one of the largest providers of sex education in the nation, which definitely falls under that heading of health and family education. And there's another organization called SICUS, and SICUS stands for Sex Ed for Social, actually the byline of SICUS is Sex Education for Social Change. And um, you would be just floored. In fact, SICUS on their website has guidelines for comprehensive sexuality education that spans kindergarten through 12th grade. And I will link some of these things in the show notes and on the blog, but suffice it to say, it should concern you to know that unspecified nonprofit organizations would be participating in the development of our health education curriculum for our high schoolers. So I'm sure it was up to DESE, which nonprofit organizations participated. And like I said, um, we will definitely find out who that was and what they discussed um, when I receive those sunshine requests back. So be sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss out on learning the details of this work group. Let's see, this language goes on to say the work group shall develop written curriculum frameworks relating to health and family education with an emphasis on behavioral health related to the causes of morbidity and mortality of youth, chronic disease management, and parenting skills associated with optimal family health over a lifetime that may be used by school districts. So this is concerning to me, this whole section right here. Um, health relating to the causes of morbidity and mortality of youth. And I will just tell you that when you see something about youth and morbidity, mortality, if they're referring to suicide and that type of thing, uh, what uh, I would say nearly 100% of the time at this point in our culture, they are referring to um, gay and lesbian LGBTQ issues. That is a constant theme in regard to our kids when we're talking about education is the safety, so to speak, of our children at school, especially the LGBTQ kids who supposedly um, our counseling industry, many of our education um, professionals are actually saying that the parents who are not affirming of the LGBTQ agenda are abusive and that all of this feeds into um, youth suicide. So I would almost, I feel certain that as we read through this, you can read into that, but read between the lines and know that the LGBTQ agenda is going to be embedded in this curriculum. Uh, chronic disease management, which, you know, I mean, I'm not sure how many of our high schoolers have chronic diseases, um, I, you know, in relation to health and family education. I just find that 
interesting that we're including chronic disease management. Um, of course, maybe we're, I would assume in this circumstance, we're talking about um, sexually transmitted diseases, HIV and things like that. Um, parenting skills associated with optimal family health over a lifetime that may be used by school districts. So when we say over a lifetime, we could literally be saying, uh, you know, we're saying lifetime, birth, all the way to the grave. So um, it goes on to say the State Board of Education shall adopt and implement academic performance standards relating to health and family education for the 24-25 school year and all subsequent years. So really, this is just the main piece of this is just one paragraph long. It's not complicated, but it is concerning. And the truth is that nonprofit organizations have been having a large voice in the development of curriculum of our public school kids for years. This is nothing new, um, but for many of us who are just waking up and starting to pay attention, it's new to us. And um, it's concerning because depending on the organizations, I promise you there's not probably not one uh, church organization or a faith-based organization participating, but um, I would nearly guarantee you that, that the nonprofits participating are going to be very left-leaning and um, wanting to incorporate all types of, of health, sexual health, family health, and this even includes public health. So you could probably guarantee that um, it's going to follow along with CDC guidelines and the WISC model. And if you are unsure about that and you're, you haven't heard about that before, the whole school, whole community, whole child model. Um, it's W for whole and then SCC, school, community, and child. This is put out by the CDC. And basically it's this idea that the school is going to do all types of things. Um, they're going to serve your kids. Uh, they're, you know, clinics in your schools. They're going to serve your kids um, in every way at your school. Uh, they're going to serve them with mental health uh, support, physical health support, pregnancy prevention, um, all types of things, and um, in effort to give them a safe place to feel affirmed. And um, you should just know that when those things are happening to you with your children at school, either in a counselor's office or if there was a clinic there, um, they would be, they're old enough at that age, at the high school age, the school will not necessarily have to disclose to parents what is happening. So with the WISC model and CDC pushing this out, um, it's just, I feel like personally, very invasive. It removes parents, um, you know, they wouldn't say that. In fact, they will say that the parents need to be in, should be involved, but to what degree? And if our kids walk in and say, I don't want my mom to know that I have this, that, or the other, then um, they're not necessarily obliged to, um, to disclose that to parents. 
Uh, let's see, I am on the CDC website um, for the WISC uh, program, the WISC model, whole school, whole community, whole child. It says the education, public health, and school health sectors have each called for greater alignment that includes in integration and collaboration between education leaders and the health sector to improve each child's cognitive, physical, social, and emotional development. Public health and education serve the same children, often in the same settings. The whole, whole school, whole community, whole child model focuses on the child to align the common goals of both sectors to put into action a whole child approach to education. Uh, the whole school, whole community, whole child, or WISC model is CDC's framework for addressing health in schools. The WISC model is student-centered and emphasizes the role of the community in supporting the school, the connections between health and academic achievement, and the importance of evidence-based school policy and practices. The WISC model has 10 components. Number one, physical education and physical activity, nutrition, environment, and services, health education, social and emotional climate, physical environment, health services, which is different from health education. Number seven is counseling, psychological, and social services. Number eight is employee wellness, community involvement, and number 10, finally, at the end of the list, family engagement. So um, my guess is that it will be very interesting to see the documentation provided to me um, by Desi and Senator Carter and Representative Davidson um, as we learn more about what actually took place at the first work group meeting. And like I said, I'm particularly interested in this because we're talking about our teenagers. We're talking about health education, which includes sex education, public health education, um, and we've invited these unknown uh, nonprofit organizations to have a voice in the process. So I'm very interested to see what organizations those are and what actually took place at this work group. So uh, that's all I have for you today. Uh, we will follow up after I receive that documentation from those three offices and I will fill you in about what happened there. So this is just one tiny piece of language that our Missouri State Legislature did pass in 2023. So when you hear the rumors floating around social media that the uh, conservatives held everything up, you can know that that is actually not the case um, at all. In fact, lots of things passed. They changed a lot of statute. They added tons of new statutes. And we're going to keep talking about them here on the podcast and on the blog. So be sure to subscribe. Hope you have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. I hope you found it beneficial and valuable. I'd really encourage you in the next few days to pick up your Bible and grab the practical tools you need to arise and build. Don't forget to subscribe and check out the blog at jodygrace.com. I'll see you soon.